no doubt uh, many of you have heard me say before, one of the things that stands out to me often uh, when I'm reading Scripture is I tend to pick up on things that are repeated. And, and from my simple frame of reference, if something's repeated, it's as if saying, hey, silly, sit up and pay, take notice. So this summer as I was reading through the Bible, um, at times I found myself almost distracted by how often I saw the greatness of God referenced. And as I read, it was amazing to me as I processed some of what I was reading that he actually offers you and I access to this greatness. Uh, those musings, as I, as I chewed on that repeatedly over the course of, of months, um, led me to start developing a series of messages that will actually cover the next couple of months. My original working title for the series was Pursuing Greatness. But the more that I thought and the more that I read, I came to realize that we don't have to pursue greatness. It's not like God is keeping it from us and we somehow have to chase it down. Understand today that he wants us to experience, to touch, to know his greatness and incorporate it into our lives. We simply need to open up and embrace it. It was that realization that prompted me to choose the image that you'll see frequently throughout this series. As I look at that image, what I see, what I interpret, is an individual leaning into the embrace of the nail-scarred hands of their Savior. I interpret that as in a moment of need, they are surrendering to the embrace of the risen Son of God. I suspect that many of you here have known a moment like that and felt the greatness of that embrace. And it is my hope over the next several weeks that as we talk about this, that that's something you will increasingly lean into. In that image, I see the opportunity that we have to reach out and embrace the greatness of God. But I also see that he is reaching out to embrace the greatness of our potential. So moving forward, as I speak over the weeks of embracing greatness, please know that I see it as a two-way relationship, not a one-way street. Through a real, personal, life-changing love relationship with God, you and I have access to the indwelling power of the, of the Holy Spirit. And between that relationship and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God has planted seeds of greatness in each and every one of us. And he invites us regularly to embrace it. There's one simple verse that I would start with today, and it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. And it says, Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least of the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, if we opt for disobedience and lead others in disobedience, um, it's not good. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, some of you may know what it is to be called great. You may be really great at some things. You may be really great at a lot of things. But to me, to understand that if I choose to walk in obedience and choose in my own simple way to help others walk in obedience, 
that I will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And that is an offer to each and every one of us. And and I, I trust that you'll grapple with that as we talk about it in the days to come. Today I want to take a few moments and look at some scripture passages with you that declare how great is our God. Now for me, that simple phrase, and it just happened just now in a fraction of a second as I said that to you. For me, when I say that phrase, how great is our God, I bust out into singing in my head, fortunately for all of you. All right. Now, some of you understand that um, I was actively working to discover who I was as a worshiper. At the same time, Chris Tomlin was bursting into the onto the Christian contemporary music scene. So his song, which we will sing before we're done, not just in my head, but we'll sing it out loud, um, generates some great, great feelings of nostalgia. And we're going to sing it, but just just to remind you, Starts out the splendor of a king clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in that. Now, friends, I know some of you have a very active imagination and some of you not so much. But I just invite you to kind of release your imagination as I read this. I'll start again. The splendor of the king clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice trembles at his voice. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all will see how great, how great is our God. Age to age he stands, and time is in his hands. Beginning and the end. The God had three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. Name above all names, worthy of our praise. My heart will sing how great is our God. You're the name above all names. You're worthy of our praise, and my heart will sing, How Great is Our God. I'm going to back up, because I went by it quick, as I'm prone to do. In the chorus, it says, How great is our God, sing with me. How great is our God, and all will see. I hope you grasp that as a follower of Christ as someone who endeavors to be a part of the kingdom of God, as we embrace his greatness, as we live out his greatness, as we sing and talk of his greatness, others will see. And I would just have you start wrapping your head around some of these things. I'm going to give you more questions than I am answers. And you're saying, well, nothing new there. But it is what it is. How much of God's greatness do people see in you? How much of God's greatness are they exposed to because they are exposed to you? That's one of the ways that people encounter it. Hopefully you're like I am, and you would certainly expect that there are countless, not countless, but there are a boatload, I can tell you, of references to the greatness of God to be found throughout the pages of Scripture. I'm going to quickly share a sampling under a couple of different headings. And my encouragement to you is, I'm not going to say anything new. 
my encouragement to you is, as you listen, just allow yourself to soak in, to lean into the embrace of his greatness. And just kind of say, you know what? That's right. That is God. So we're, we're just going to walk through some of these. The first heading I'm going to talk about is, is there's a bunch that fall under the heading that I classified under majesty and power. And, and this is by no means an exhaustive list. But listen to some of these things. Uh, Exodus chapter 15, verse 7. The greatness of your majesty you threw in the greatness of your majesty. You threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. Can I get an amen to that? Uh, you know what? If that's my enemy, I'm all for God having that kind of power. I mean, that kind of greatness. In the greatness of his majesty, it is a powerful, life-changing greatness that can be unleashed against those who are in opposition. Now, if you're at all like me, there are times you'd like to call down that uh, burning anger and have it consume folks. Unfortunately, or fortunately, he doesn't give us that opportunity. He leaves that to his discretion. So again, just just again, start to think about, he is so majestic that there is no opposition that stands when he's ready to see it shut down. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 21. Uh, the people of Israel are concerned. They're facing opposition. And the encouragement to them is, do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God, who is among you, is a great and awesome God. I would say that to you. I have no idea what you're facing today. But don't be terrified. For the Lord your God... Now, did you catch that phrase in the middle there? Who is among you? He's not out there. He's right here. And he is great and awesome right here. I, where I get into trouble many times is I keep God out there. I don't let him come and be among me and the challenges that I face. The encouragement to us is do not be terrified. For the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. Second Samuel chapter 7 verse 22 stating to God how great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. There is no God but you. As we've heard with our own ears. Again, nothing, nothing compares to his greatness. Now, friends, again, I will say this repeatedly. I think sometimes we put God in our box. We keep him smaller than he really is. And for me, as I read that over and over and over again, and many of you know, I, I have my share of doubts and worries and anxieties and all that stuff. So it was just a repeated reminder of the greatness of my God as I read it over and over and over again. First Chronicles 16, verse 25. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all others. Not feared in terms of an unwillingness to approach, but a great respect and understanding that he is awesome and he is powerful and he does have boundaries and there are consequences in this life. First Chronicles 29, 11. Yours, Lord, is the great... Just, just wrap your head around this. Oh, you can't. Never mind, because we'll talk about that in a bit. But, but do your best. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. 
you were exalted as head over all. So I ask you the question, how great is our God? I mean, you, you look at that. Power, glory, majesty, splendor, everything in heaven and earth is his. His is the kingdom, and he is exalted as head over all. You getting the point yet? And You know, I'm going to hammer this because we're not done yet, all right? Job chapter 33, verse 12. But I tell you in this, you are not, in this you are not right, for God is greater than any mortal. Now again, just to remind you of the story, Job, we all talk about the sufferings of Job. Job had experienced heartache and setback and brokenness that few of us can even come close, close to comprehending. And he had some friends who were helping him in his difficulty. And his friends were not necessarily giving him the best of counsel. And they were definitely not being very comforting. All right? And as this has gone on for a period of days, finally Job says, guys, you don't have a clue. And this is one of the things he said to him. I tell you, He's saying this to his friends, in this you're not right, for God is greater than any mortal. But what grasps me is what Job says a little bit later. How great is God beyond our understanding? Now, friends, I would never even suggest that I've suffered even a fraction of what Job has suffered. But I can tell you when I'm suffering, the phrase, how great is God does not come automatically to my lips. So the fact that Job, in the midst of this suffering, having lost everyone except his wife that he held dear, having lost possessions that he had worked his entire life to accumulate, having suffered great physical anguish, in the midst of all that, after enduring that, after enduring the counsel of his friends, He has the audacity to say, how great is God beyond our understanding? Which, to me, he's saying, I don't get it. I don't understand. But that doesn't change the greatness of God. Wow. And he doesn't just say it once. He says it again in Job 37. He says, God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. Now, friends... I would expect someone who just won the Mega Millions lottery to say that. You know what? Oh, God, you've done great and marvelous things, way beyond our understanding. I would not expect that from someone who had seen his children killed, who had lost all of his possessions, and who had been battling illness just miserably for days and days. The fact that Job says that, gets inside my head. How great is our God? Psalm 48, 1. Psalms full of them. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. The city of our God, his holy mountain. He is always great and he is always worthy of our praise. Psalm 66, 3. How awesome are your deeds. Great is your power that you're, so great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. Now, I have people cringe when I walk in the room, but it's not because of my greatness. It's because I just get on their nerves. But what a thought 
to realize God, and again, how awesome are your deeds? Again, that speaks to me of a God who is great in action. Not just great in theory, but he is great in action. And his power is so great that those who dare oppose him are intimidated by his greatness. Psalm 86.10, For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Nobody, nothing, touches his greatness. Psalm 104.1, Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. Did you catch that? It's just subtle. Great isn't even good enough. We've got to put very great in front of it. How great is our God? Psalm 150, verse 2. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Again, it's subtle, but do you catch it? You have great, you have God's greatness, and he is actually somewhere beyond surpassing greatness. How great is our God? Jeremiah ten six. Now, again, friends, Many of you know the story of Job, and I kind of paraphrased it for you. We may not quite know the story of Jeremiah quite so much, but I'll just cut to the chase and tell you his nickname. Jeremiah's nickname was the Weeping Prophet. I, I, I don't want to know what it takes to earn that nickname. All right, I, I don't want to be known as the Weeping Pastor. The Weeping Prophet, and he says... No one is like you, Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. Now, I'm wondering if he was saying that when he was in a muddy pit that he'd been thrown into because he spoke God's truth. I don't know. Jeremiah 27.5, we have, we have God speaking. With my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth and its people and the animals that are on it. And I give it to anybody who I please. God's saying, listen, in case you wondered, I got this. My great power, outstretched arm, I made it all. I'm in charge. You ever have that? You know, dad gets mad and he says, I bought this house. I paid for this. I paid for the food on your table. And you're, okay, we know who's in charge now. God says, hey, I'm in charge. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, goes on. He says in 32, verse 17, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. In the spite of being the weeping prophet, he understood the greatness of a God and understood that nothing was too hard for him. It didn't make sense to him. Job said it. I don't understand all this, but God's still great. Jeremiah saying, yes, it hurts to be mistreated the way that I've been mistreated. I am weeping. But that does not take away from the greatness of God. Then we'll jump to the New Testament. Simple, random verse pulled totally out of context. And they were all amazed by the greatness of God. While everyone marveled at all, marveling at all this, all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, and it goes on. What had just happened prior to Luke 9, 43 was Jesus had just cast a demon out of a possessed little boy. And it says in response to that, everybody was amazed at the greatness of God. Not at Jesus, who they saw do it, 
But they understood that he had tapped in, he had embraced the greatness of God. And they said, wow, this is really something. How great is our God? What was the last thing that made you step back and just say, wow, God is great. If you're at all like me, it was probably when something really good happened. But he's just as great when it's not so good. And that's the hard part. That's the Job wrapping our head around it. The last one on power and majesty is actually a, a, a section, and this is from Ephesians chapter 1. And, and this is a prayer that the Apostle Paul is praying for the people of God. And, and just follow along here. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering in, in, remembering you in my prayer. So again, he's, he's setting the context. So here we're, here we're talking. Here's what I'm praying. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Let me just pause. We'll take a, take a little uh, bunny trail quickly. All right. Many of you know I'm a strong fan of praying scripture. Ephesians chapter 1 and this prayer that Paul has, Ephesians chapter 3 and the prayer there. Just experiment sometime. Open your Bible, Ephesians chapter 1, find this prayer of Paul and pray it and put yourself in it. Pray it for yourself. Same way with Ephesians chapter 3. Put your name in that prayer and make it about you. All right, back to the message. Um, I keep asking that the God of our Father... Uh, excuse me, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So he's praying that they would know more of God. And he keeps going. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened and in, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So he's, he's praying that we would know more and more and experience more and more. Verse 19, and his incomparably great power. So again, let me back up because I botched it there. So he's praying that our, the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. He's praying that we would know his incomparably great, incomparably great power for those who, of us who believe. That power, now, now again, understand, all right, just wrap your head around this. I know it's taken me a long time to get there. But Paul is praying for followers of Jesus Christ to know this great power. Next, he describes that power. He wants us to know the great power. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. God wants me, he invites me, he invites you to embrace his greatness to the extent that somehow, it totally incomprehensible to me, we, we embrace the greatness of his power that literally brought, brought Jesus Christ up out of the grave, triumphant over sin and death. I ask you again, how great is our God? I said a couple different headings. Uh, the other heading I'm just going to look at quickly. I don't have nearly as many, so don't panic. Uh, 
how great is our God? These verses speak specifically to his love and goodness. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. God has such great love for us that he enters into covenant love with us. Those of us who love him and strive to walk in obedience. The great and awesome God embraces us and invites us to embrace that kind of love, a covenant. Nehemiah 1.10 They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Friends, God loves you enough that he uses that great strength and power and majesty that we've talked about to reach out in redemption, in restoration, in love to each and every one of us. Psalm 5710, for great is your love reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Some of you know what it is to be loved way more than you deserve, way more than you've earned. You've been blessed by human relationships that really embody unconditional love, and and that is absolutely awesome, and you are blessed more than you probably really comprehend. But for all of us, maybe we've not even come close to experiencing that kind of love in this life. But I would have us understand today, in his great love, he reaches out to us and invites us to embrace that love that he extends. Psalm 103.11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And again, the, the, the imagery there is there's no limit to it. There, we just can't comprehend the depth and the greatness of his love for us. You know, we tend to think of, you know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, and, and we, we, we know that. And, but to understand the vastness of the universe doesn't come close to describing the greatness of his love. Psalm 108, verse 4, For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Bringing in mind some more songs. Some of you are singing them in your head now. Uh, For great is his love toward us. The faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. It's, It's unending. What a gift. This is from, excuse me, from Lamentations chapter 3. Verse 22 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Wow. Because of his great love, we don't get what we deserve. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Friends, Understand, the greatness of God's faithfulness that I just read about is that he's faithful even when we're not. Even when we turn our back to that embrace, he's still leaning in. He's still waiting for us to finally get it and turn in or come back again because we've walked away. Hopefully, as I read through verse after verse after verse, 
that little walk through Scripture gave you a bit of a warm fuzzy. We've been invited to embrace and be embraced by a God who is that great. That should be uplifting to each and every one of us, regardless of where we're at in our life. And friends, I trust that you will take that that warm fuzzy, that, wow, you know what? I, I, I don't think about it often enough. But God really is great. I, I say it, but I, but I haven't stopped to think about it. Hopefully you will. But I also want you to send you out with another thought. When Cheryl was doing the signboard out front, and when she was doing the bulletin, she said, Pastor, I'm working on the sign. The sign was first, then the bulletin. She said, I know you want me to put how great is our God. Do I put an exclamation point or do I put a question mark? And I said both. So we did neither. (laughs) Friends, against the backdrop of what I've just said, I offered you a warm fuzzy. Now I'm going to step on your toes just a little bit. Against the backdrop of what we've just heard, about the greatness of God's majesty, his power, and his love. I challenge you to wrestle a bit with another question. How great is my God? How great is my God? I would venture to say that for many of us, perhaps all of us, sometimes there's a disconnect between how great I believe God is and how great I believe he is in my personal life. He's great enough to part the Red Sea. Is he great enough to deal with the issue that breaks my heart today? He's great enough to tell a wonderful story about the prodigal son coming home. What about my kids? What about the people I love? Is he that great? Friends, I wish I could give you an easy answer. But I can tell you his greatness does not change regardless of my circumstances. It is a greatness that I cannot fathom. I do not have every prayer I pray get answered. But I have to admit that that doesn't change the greatness of God. It just means in my mind I'm allowing my God to not be as great as he really is. My friends, I suspect for some of you that's a very uncomfortable thought. But it doesn't make it any less real. He is great. He's great when things go well, but he's just as great when they don't. Like Job, like Jeremiah, sometimes I may not understand what's going on, but it doesn't change who he is. So again, sometimes we just need to step back and say, you know what? Yes, my God is great. I'm not feeling it right now, but he's still great. Lest I leave you discouraged, there's a story we find 
in the Gospels. I'm going to share Mark's version. In Mark chapter 9, it says, they've, they've brought a, a boy who is demon-possessed. And they brought him to the followers of Christ. And they were unable to cast this demon out. I mean, imagine, some of you have had the experience. You know, you've heard this doctor is all that. And you've been to all the other doctors. And, and you go to this doctor and you're just... I mean, you got all your hopes in that basket. And, and he doesn't help. That's this. this. This father's desperate for help for his son. And he takes him to the followers of Jesus, and they can't help. So that's where we pick up the story. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. Can you just feel the exasperation of the dad? He's been this way so long, I, I just can't take it anymore. The father goes on, it's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I, I'm desperate here. This demon's literally trying to kill my son. I have to watch him 24-7. If you can do anything to help, take pity on us. Help us. Some of you know the story and you know what comes next. If you can, you almost sense, I don't think I'm reading into this to say, there's a little indignation in Jesus' tone. If I can, really? Do you know who you're talking to? If I can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Now friends, many of us, I know, Many of us have been at that. Jesus, if you can do something, I'm desperate here. I wonder how many times for me Jesus has been saying, if I can, Steve, really? Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Friends, when I talk about how great is my God, sometimes we have to be like that dad. And we have to say, Lord, I, I believe you're great. I really, really do. But I'm just not feeling it. I'm overwhelmed. I've been at this a long time. Sometimes we have to say, Lord, I, I really do believe you're great. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Pray with me. Father, what a mixture of emotion. We are humbled. We are encouraged. We are uplifted. We are awed by your greatness. And so many times it's easy to read scripture. It's easy to see that greatness in other people's lives and think, God is great. But then when the hardship comes when the circumstances don't change, when the healing doesn't come, when life is still really, really, really hard, we begin to lose track of your greatness in our own lives. So, Father, my prayer is that as we wrestle with these things, that we would celebrate in our hearts your greatness. We would sing of your greatness in a way that inspires others. 
but we would also acknowledge that sometimes your greatness transcends our understanding and does not change our circumstances. And in those moments, Father, help us to say, Lord, I, I really do believe you are great. But in the midst of my heartache, will you please help my unbelief and help me to move forward? All the while, leaning into the embrace of your greatness and allowing you to embrace the greatness of our potential and draw that out from us. Father, help us as we move forward to embrace your greatness and embrace the greatness that you want to bring out in our lives. I thank you, Father. Amen. Greg?